Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. A very special guest with us this morning. Uh, we have Joe Butler and his family with us this morning from Ability Tree. And uh, yeah, absolutely. You can give it up for him. And so he is here with Ability Tree, and he's going to come and talk to us this morning uh, about caring with families, uh, caring for families with special needs. And so without further ado, I'm going to ask you again to give a very warm welcome to Joe Butler. Hey, good morning, guys. I can still, as long as I can jump up on stage, I'll still do that. So I can't sing, so I don't get a chance, never got a chance to do that with a band or anything. But uh, it's so good to be here. Last time I was here, uh, it was right before, like, COVID hit. And uh, I swear I did not bring COVID with me. But um, it was the um, missions tour. It was on a Wednesday night. It was March of 2020. And little did we know what was ahead of us for the next year and a half and how crazy it would be. Um, so we had some plans to, to be here before then, and obviously plans changed. But uh, so happy to be here today. We get to travel around uh, the U.S. a lot. We are U.S. missionaries to persons with disability through the Assemblies of God. How many guys knew there was such a thing? That's what I thought. Um, you can... Uh, we're, we're under U.S. missions, under intercultural ministries, and then there's a thing called persons with disabilities. So it's kind of like its own people group. And, and I didn't know that existed either until we became U.S. missionaries about 10 years ago. But um, i got to tell you, I was a little nervous when you said we were staying at uh, Hotel Seville because we travel a lot, and we usually stay at Hampton or you know Hilton or something, one of those families. And I was like, I, I don't know what this is. So my wife looked it up, and then she was like, oh, it looks pretty cool. And then we ate at Marie's last night. That was good. That was the first time I've ever had prime rib. And uh, it was like grilled and all this stuff, and it was good. So thank you for putting us up there, church. And um, we're heading back home to northwest Arkansas today, which is Salem Springs, just under two hours from you guys. Um, Pastor Brian, Caleb, and... Some of the team have come over and seen our new space, but today I want to just share with you kind of just a glimpse of our story, how, how I got here to be speaking in front of you today, and then a little bit about Ability Tree and what we do. So um, caring for families with, with special needs, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, including people with disabilities in the church and how we can care for people in the community. Our journey started, I'm going to start about 20 years ago. We, had, uh, we were youth pastors, interim youth pastors at a church in New Jersey and felt the call to full-time vocational ministry. So that just meant we're going to be pastors, you know, full-time. And um, we sold our house in the span of a week. We sold our house in New Jersey. We moved into family housing on the campus of the University of Valley Forge. Back then it was called Valley Forge Christian College. And uh, Micah was born that same week. So I just had to move. My wife had to give birth. She had the much harder job that week. And uh, so it was, it was a family of four at that time. Our oldest daughter, Hannah, was two. And uh, Micah was a newborn. And so, you know, welcome to the world. Welcome to change. And I started classes January of, of uh, 2001 and um, started working and going to school and my wife was taking care of our two-year-old, a toddler, and a newborn. And then about nine months later, Micah was diagnosed with developmental delays, which basically meant he wasn't developing like a typical nine-month-old. And, and the way I looked at it kind of at first was, you know, we had, a, we had a girl, our daughter Hannah, and they say that, you know, girls, you know, develop quicker than boys, right? That's, if you're a mom, you probably heard that. And so I'm thinking, well, he's going to catch up, he'll grow out of it, and he started receiving early intervention, which every state has for newborn to three-year-olds to, to learn how to walk, talk, and use fine and gross motor skills. And so he was in early intervention. We were doing everything we could. We had therapists coming to the, our college apartment on campus. My wife was driving to Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania like every day. And I was going to school and I got to work. I, I got to, to get a break while she was carrying the load of being 
the, the mom, the caregiver, the, the therapist, the taxi, all that kind of stuff. And, and a lot of times she felt alone on that journey. You know, things just kept going. Um, we were doing everything we could for Micah. We were loving him. You know, we loved him and we were getting to know him. You know, he, again, for him to, to talk and, and uh, he didn't walk until he was four. Um, he didn't really start talking that we could understand and, until much later on, until uh, probably two years old or so. And one night, we, we typically, during, when I was taking school, I was taking like 18 credits and I was working two jobs. We didn't go to church on Wednesday nights typically, so I, I asked God to forgive me for that, and he has, but uh, we didn't go to midweek a lot of times during the semester, so the first midweek service we went to was in 2003. Micah was about two and a half, and uh, I went to the men's group, Jen went to the women's group, and Micah was in the toddler class, and she picked him up after church and brought him to me, and she said, you know, he's, he's really tired, can you, can you hold him, and I'll go get Hannah, and we'll go, and so... I put him on my knee and finishing a conversation with another gentleman in the class and, and Micah just, you know, leaned back a little and I'm like, hey buddy, just sit up, we're going to go in a minute. And uh, he leaned back again and then I saw his eyes roll back in his head and he started shaking and I was like, what in the world is going on? And so I just went out into the foyer and said, you know, called for help and thank God there were a couple nurses there that night and attended to him and he started, he went into a seizure. We he had never had a seizure before. We didn't know, hadn't. I don't think I ever saw a seizure, and so um, called the ambulance, um, he started, he, he threw up, they thought he was coming out of it, and then he kept shaking. They took him by ambulance to the hospital, my wife went with him in the ambulance, and we almost lost him in the ambulance. I drove behind and met them at the, at the ER, and they had to sedate him about 45 minutes later to stop the seizure. They transferred him to a children's hospital nearby, and... Um, you know, we got there. By the time we got there, he, would, he had already been, you know, in tests and scans and um, MRIs and CAT scans and whatever all this. And, and uh, it was about midnight, and the nurse came in and said, hey, only one of you can stay. My wife was pregnant with our third child, Clara, and uh, they let her stay in a cot in, in the hospital room. And I just remember my last view of, of my son that night was in a, it was in a hospital crib with tubes and, and, you know, all over his body and, and, and wires and, and um, you know, there was monitors beeping and, and he was out cold. But uh, that was the last thing I saw my son that night. And I went back to our apartment and just Hannah had gone with a friend that night. They're like, hey, let us take Hannah. So it was just me. I'm like, God, what's going on? You know, we sold half our possessions, we sold our house, we sold a car, we've, you know, we prayed over Micah in the womb, we're tithing, we're going to church, except on Wednesdays, but like, you know, we're, we're checking off all the boxes, and, um, you know, I kind of put God in a box and thought that, you know, if you go to church every Sunday, if you, you know, or when you're in town and, and you give and, and you do this and you do that, then nothing bad should happen. But how many good Christians here have had something bad happen to them in their life? It's because we live in a fallen world. We're, we can't control life by the way we act or the way we live. Sometimes we can be kind and loving and caring, and another person's going to still be rude and mean and cut you off or whatever. So you can't control life by the way you act. God's the only one who can do that. And so I had put God in this box and. That night, God just reminded me, first of all, that all children are a reward from him. Scripture says all children are a reward or a gift from God. It doesn't say just healthy children. It says all children. So that covers the base of those who talk and don't talk, walk and don't talk, whatever they look like. They're made in the image of God, and they're a reward from the Lord. And, um, you know, a couple days later, we met with the neurologist, and they came in, and, and they said... Um, Point blank, pretty much, you know, there's abnormalities in your son's brain, and we don't know what he'll be like. We don't know if he'll talk, if he'll walk, what he'll be like as an adult, if he'll be independent. And that's really when it hit me as a father. You don't want to hear that as a parent or a father about your child. And it hit me that it wasn't something that he was going to grow out of. It was something that was going to affect him the rest of his life and affect us the rest of our life unless God miraculously did something. And, and 
And God has miraculously done things. But at that point, I was, I was hurting. Um, I was hopeless. And I just couldn't believe the words that I was hearing. But again, God's word reminded me that he had a plan and a purpose through this. And, and I went back to, the, to our apartment and just was crying out to God again. And, and God just said, I have a purpose and a plan, Joe, through this. And uh, Psalm 139, I meditated on that for, I still do sometimes, talking about how they, the neurologist said that there was a lack of oxygen in the womb. And that probably led to the abnormalities in Micah's brain and the development and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Psalm 139 talks about how God knew us. Uh, before he formed us in our mother's womb. And he's seen all the days laid out ahead of us. So if God knew Micah before he even formed him in Jen's womb and saw that, then I got to believe he allowed it for a reason and a purpose. And I can guarantee you 100% that I wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be here. I didn't like talking in front of people. I wasn't, you know, I didn't even know how I was going to be a pastor, but we wouldn't be talking about ability tree or disability ministry with you today or caring for families with special needs if it wasn't for Micah and the gift from God that he is. And so I said, you know, we said, God, all right, you know, we're just help us. <laughs> there's, no, there's no manuals. We had no experience on raising a child with special needs. We just, again, loved him and got to know him. And, um, you know, God showed us the, the plan that he had for that and, and you know, you may be saying, hey, Joe, well, you're just one family, and, and, but how, how does this really affect, um, you know, the United States, the world? Well, let me, give you, let me give you some stats. There's over one billion people in the world that live with some form of disability, one billion with a B. 61 million adults in the United States live with a disability. Within the disability population, more than 200 million experience considerable difficulties and activities in daily life, and that's equal to roughly two-thirds of the U.S. population. Micah falls in that category. He needs, he needs help, you know, in daily activities um, that you and I kind of take for granted sometimes. If pulled together, individuals with disability would represent the third largest nation in the world with the highest rate of abuse, divorce, suicide, homelessness, and joblessness. That's a staggering stat, and it's, it's kind of a, it's an alarming stat if, if, to hear if, as the church, you know. And so the next thing, the biblical mandate, where does, what, what part does the church play in this? What is the biblical mandate? And I see in, you know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus told his disciples before he ascended to heaven, he said, go and make disciples of all the earth. Teach them to obey my commands, and, and I'll be with you. Um, he didn't say, go to all the people who look like us. Go to all the people who are intelligent like us or, you know, can do this and do that. He, he said, go and tell the world and, and make disciples. And then the great banquet we see in Luke 14, 15 through 24 talks about how um, this, this owner had a big party, and he invited all these important people, and all the important people basically said, hey, I can't make it. I got something else that night, and, and the owner said, the, the master said, hey, go and invite the, those who can't walk, those who can't talk, the people on the street. Invite them so my house can be full. David's kindness to Mephibosheth, the story of, of David, um, King David, I love this story. Um, you know, King Saul was the first king that Israel had. King Saul, when King Saul was killed, um, usually when a, when a king is killed and there's a new king, they kill everybody in that, that old king's family so they don't overthrow the new king. Well, David and Jonathan, Saul's son, were, were best buddies. They were close friends. David didn't have all of Saul's descendants killed. There was a, one, of grands, one of his grandsons was Mephibosheth. And the, the way he injured his feet, he was, they say he was crippled in both feet. He couldn't walk because when Saul was killed, the nurse took the grandson when he was young and ran with him, fled, because they were afraid that, that David and the army was going to come and kill them. And the nurse fell on him and broke his feet, and that's why he couldn't, he couldn't walk. David said, 
later when David was king, he said, is there any of Saul's descendants left? And there was one, and it was Mephibosheth, and he was still crippled, couldn't walk, and he called him to the king, to, the, to, um, to come to the kingdom. And Mephibosheth was like, who am I but a dead dog to you? And he was scared and nervous, and, and David said, you're welcome in my kingdom. You're going to eat at my table. I'm going to restore everything that was Saul's back to you. And that's an image of, of how God accepts us. You know, God accepted Mephibosheth into his house to eat at his table because he was part of the family. And that's what God does for each and every one of us. Despite our ability, God does that. Exodus 4, 10 to 11, another one I like. that it, We are all created in the image of God. Man, Moses, we think of Moses, we're like, wow, father of the faith and just... He was a great, probably, speaker. He went in front of Pharaoh. Well, if you look in Exodus 4, 10 to 11, I mean, he, he didn't want to go. He's arguing with God, pleading with the Lord, don't make me go in front of Pharaoh and talk. You know, send somebody else to talk instead of me. And God said, who makes man to talk? Who makes man's mouth? Who makes man's eyes, man's to talk? You know, men to see, men and women to see and talk. Is it not I, the Lord? And he said, go, and I will give you the words to say. We've seen uh, Micah. You know, I, I shared Micah has, um, he's talked to some of you guys. He loves Pastor Caleb and Pastor Brian and that, I forget your name back there. Yes, he loves, <laughs> he's coming to say hi, man. And Micah, Micah loves God and he loves people. And that's Pastor Caleb, man. You can go give him a hug. And, and um, sometimes we, you know, there's a good object. Like, you can go sit next to mom, buddy. Are you going to sit next to Caleb? All right, you can sit there, man. A lot of times we kind of, we you know, again, we, you know, we put in church, we say, hey, this is the area where you go in, this is the area where you go in, this is the area where you go in. Well, guess what? Micah doesn't really fit into any areas or any boxes either. And, and we've had trouble even on churches we were on staff at, like, trying to figure out what, what do we do with him. Well, he doesn't live by the inhibitions or the social norms that you and I have. So he'll go up to a trucker in West Virginia and just start talking to him and come to find out they have a daughter with autism who's eight years old, and we ended up helping them start a ministry in their church. He, he's led by the Spirit a lot of times, but he also acts out of the flesh sometimes. <laughs> Isn't that like us? I mean, spiritual gifts come from the Lord, but sometimes we operate or we say something at the wrong time or do something at the wrong time. But but Micah, I've learned so much from my son, by the way, he lives life, but hey, Micah, you got to listen to dad, okay? You got to be quiet right now, you got to listen. Pastor Caleb can hear, okay? <laughs> but he, I mean, we still correct him and we still teach him social norms and how to live life, but he doesn't have the inhibitions you and I have, like his 18-year-old and 23-year-old sister have. Like, they cared what they wore, you know, in school, and they cared what their hair looks like when they leave. If I don't do his hair, then it, it's... It, it may be every which way. If I, he, would, he would go without a haircut the rest of his life. If, you know, he doesn't care. Um, he doesn't care if he's worshiping God or praying in Walmart or praying at church or praying at a truck stop. I mean, and that's a blessing. That's a gift because he's content in who he is. And God has used him so many times. I don't have time to say it this morning, but so many times. And we've seen spiritual gifts operate through others with, with disabilities because it's God, it's the Spirit of God operating through him. But um, this leads me to the next one. We are all in need of a Savior. We are all in need of a Savior. You know, I don't find anywhere in Scripture that any of us get a free pass to heaven. We all need a relationship with Jesus in order to come to the Father. And that, that includes all of us in in. You know, we, we kind of overlook that. We think this person has special needs or this person, you know, they died as a baby. And, you know, I, I don't know. All I know is God's sovereign and God knows. And God knows how to communicate to my son. He knows how to communicate to a baby. And God is sovereign and he knows all things. But I just have to go by what the scripture says and we all need to hear the gospel and come to Christ. And, and Jesus, again, can, can minister. The Holy Spirit can minister spirit to spirit to my son and to other people. And one of probably my favorite passages in the Bible is found in Mark 2. 
and it talks about the paralytic who was lowered through the roof. And this, this man was, he was an adult man. They don't say a whole lot about him, but we know that he had a community. He had a group of friends, thank God, that, that he was a part of that brought him to Jesus because he couldn't have gotten to Jesus on his own. But he had some friends who carried him to meet Jesus. Well, they couldn't get in because it was so, Jesus was a sought-after speaker, obviously, all the miracles. Um, people were crowded in this house. And so back then in, in Israel and Jerusalem, that area, I mean, there was, they, they built, you know, um, houses differently. So they, they, bare, they dug a hole through the roof and dropped him down, lowered him down on a mat in front of Jesus. And Jesus is in there with some of the religious leaders, some of the religious scholars, you know, other, his disciples and other people. And they lowered him through the roof. And here's the first thing that Jesus says to him. He said, uh, your son, your sins are forgiven. And that, that created quite a stir because the religious leaders thought in their mind, they didn't even say it, they said, who do you think you are that you can forgive sins? And Jesus could read their mind. Jesus can read our minds. You know that. That's kind of a scary thing. <laughs> uh, that's why we're supposed to capture our thoughts because Jesus could read our minds. So when you have a thought that comes into your mind that's not good, say, Lord, help me capture that and get rid of it. But um, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk? And then he healed him. But I want to tell you, we can't overlook that, that salvation is the greatest healing. Salvation, we're a new person in Christ. That's miraculous. Salvation is the greatest healing because we no longer die. We die in our body, but we live on eternally with God. And you could have a broken arm and God heal it. But guess what? If you don't know Jesus, you're going to be separated. And you die, you're going to be separated eternally from God. And so salvation heals us eternally. And you can be saved and have a disability. Salvation, you know, divine healing and disability can coexist. We've seen that too. Johnny Erickson Tata, I don't know if you know that name. She's in her 70s now, but she had a neck injury and from diving and... Um, she's, she's one of the greatest communicators and preachers of the gospel, and she's gone around the world, and they, Johnny and friends, has served um, in 42 different countries, I think it is, and God has used her despite the fact that she's in a wheelchair and a paraplegic. You know, God's plans are higher than ours, and, and Johnny would probably tell you, I've had the opportunity to meet her a couple times, and she's genuine, and she loves the Lord, and she has said this publicly, that she doesn't like her wheelchair, and she doesn't like the fact that she's disabled, but if it wasn't because of that, she doesn't know where she would be today. She may not be living for the Lord. So it's worth it to her to be disabled and to live for the Lord. So let's move on. That needed part of the body of Christ. I shared a little bit about this already, but every person has a gift for the common good. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it talks about that. And all through 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about spiritual gifts. You know, I've, I've shared Micah, you know, just the gift of discernment. Um, he's, he's gone up to one out of, you know, 100 truckers, and that trucker happened to have a daughter with autism. And we, we do a camp for adults with disability, and, and we're going um, to be doing that. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that. We're going to be doing one in Oklahoma, in eastern Oklahoma, and we have an opportunity for counselors to come and serve. So um, we'll, we'll be showing a highlight video in a minute, but we do a camp. We've been doing a camp for about 12 years in Eastern Pennsylvania. And, um, we had this camper come this one time. He was about 40 years old. And my, my old English professor at Valley Forge, she, she called me and she said, Hey Joe, we, we have, uh, this, this gentleman that we kind of helped raise and he's 40 years old and he has some intellectual special needs. And, um, I think he'd be great to come to your camp, your ability camp for adults. I said, awesome. And, and she was like, her and her husband actually met me for lunch, and they filled out the paperwork. And, and they said, we just got to tell you a little bit more about him. He's got some unique gifts. And I was like, okay. You know, and saying, well, he's got some spiritual gifts, and he's given words of prophecy, and, and he's given words of knowledge, and he's never been wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Okay. And they're like, he may do this at camp. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever God wants. And, and they said, the other thing is he likes, he likes science fiction, and he talks a lot about aliens and all this kind of stuff too. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. 
So we got to, we get to camp, and I, and I met him, and I, I had lunch with him one day, and sure enough, he's talking about spaceships and, and all kinds of stuff, and have you heard of this and heard of that? And I was like, no, you know, he's telling me about that. And the night, first night, Monday night, at it, it our um, evening chapel service, we had a speaker from, you guys may know Kirk Anderson, he's a pastor in Decatur, Arkansas. Well, I won't go into that story, but that's how we ended up coming to Arkansas. We met Kirk, and... Um, God just gave us this vision of a disability outreach center, which, which became Ability Tree, and um, I'll tell you that story some other time. But, but Kirk was there speaking. He was our evening chapel speaker, and he came up to me after service. He said, who is that guy over there? And I said, I said, that's one of our campers. He's like, oh, I thought he was a counselor. He's like, he said, he just came up to me, and he told me something from my board meeting that nobody else knows about. And I was like, wow, all right man, okay, and then he, I saw him over at this young man at the, at the altar, and he was praying for him, and prophesying over him, and then he came to me, and he just gave me a word of encouragement that, like, hit me right in the heart, and what I needed, and it was just awesome to see how God operated through him, and, uh, I mean, he was the last one at the altar, he was lingering with everybody there, and praying for people, and the next day, you know, at, at lunch, he's talking about spaceships and aliens again, but, it's because it's the Spirit of God, you know, and it, it's spiritual gifts. There's a, there's a part in 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 26, which talks about the weaker parts are indispensable. And I always was like, wait, what are we, I've heard theologians talk about the weaker parts aren't necessarily people with disabilities, or, you know, the, the weaker parts, sometimes it, it goes into talking about we cover those that are less honorable and, and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, God, what, are we, what does that mean? And I was, I was praying and reading a commentary the other day, and it was the best explanation that I've heard from it. It, it talks about, you know, like the, our inner parts. You know, we, you, the, the weaker parts are indispensable. Um, we talk about, you know, our, our reproduction system is, you know, that's something that is, that is inner and that's, that's you know, um, that we cover, and then, but we look at, we look at like an eye, you know, you could live if you lost your left eye or even both eyes, but you can't live without a stomach, that's an inner part that's indispensable, you know, you need your stomach, you need certain organs, you need, you know, your digestive system and all that kind of stuff, and, and that's, you know, when it talks about the weaker parts, we, we give them less honor, because we look at somebody's outward appearance, and we think, oh, wow, that person, you know, I don't know what Blake Shelton or whoever it is, man. There's there, who are the the up to date country stars or whatever. Where it's like you know that that person, that sports star, you know um, that that baseball player, you know that that movie star. They look good from the outside, but who knows what they're like on the inside? And that's kind of what we do uh, with the church as well. We look at somebody maybe in a wheelchair. We look at somebody who's you know less intelligent, and we think, well, they're kind of they're weaker. But that's not how God looks at it. God doesn't necessarily, it, it could be the person who's up on stage who's weaker. It could be the teacher in the classroom who's weaker. But they're indispensable and they're relying on the Holy Spirit. So we don't, we don't know who's, who's necessarily weaker, but we know that all parts are needed. And we know that the weaker parts are indispensable. So um, we see in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, individual members as well. We all are individual members and a needed part of the body of Christ. And then in John 9, 1, it talks about the man born blind and the disciples came to Jesus and said, who sinned, this man or his parents? And even back then, it was like, what's, why, why did this happen? We want to know why, you know, and that's how we are is. is followers of Christ. That's how we are as people. Why did this happen? We want to know the answer, and especially men, fathers, we want, to, we want to fix the problem. That's what gets us in trouble a lot of times when our wives just want us to listen. We, we want to fix the problem. Wait, I hear, I hear a problem when my wife's telling me something. She just wants me to listen. She doesn't want me to fix the problem unless it's like a repair in the house. Then she wants me to fix it, you know. So you got you to discern when, it's, when, it, when you're supposed to fix it. If the toilet's leaking, fix it. Um, if, it's, if it's an issue with, your, with her mother or parents or your mother, just listen. That's, that's the, the best advice I can give. So um, 
But they're trying to figure out what happened. What did this guy do? What did his parents do? And Jesus said, nobody sinned. It was to display the works of God. And Jesus healed him, um, but it was to display the works of God. And I believe that, that Jesus displays his works through my son. I got to meet David uh, this morning, Woody, back there, man. And I think I know Jesus displays his works through David. He displays his works through all of us, despite our ability level, despite what we look like. That's, that's how God gets glory. He displays his works through us. So let me move on to, so, so what do we do as, as the church? How do, we, how do we care for families with special needs? How do we include people with disabilities in the church? First, number one, I just want to share with you three quick things. Um, you know, before I do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the one um, Rogers family video, and I'm going to show you guys a little bit of our space. Some of you guys have seen it, but uh, our space in northwest Arkansas, and uh, I want you to hear from one of our families, and then I'm um, going to talk to you about some ways of including families in the church. Yeah, uh, we are Steve and Angie Rogers, and uh, yeah, we have a family of seven kids. So we have uh, Cecilia is completely blind, and then uh, Liliana is developmentally delayed and also has cortical blindness as well as long, along with seizure episodes that randomly seem to come into her life. So. We had been looking to um, transition from working for the family business up in Michigan to um, serving at a camp uh, full time. And uh, God started just putting little pieces together that kind of fit our unique family. And one of the big ones was ability tree that just blew us away and just thinking, wow, there's a good safe place that we can get support from because that when you pick up your family and move, it's like, where's your support system gonna come from? And just, this was a huge piece. That was the first question everyone asked at our, in our community in Grand Rapids. Who's gonna help you with the girls or how are you going to manage everything? And right away we said, well, we met Jen and Joe Butler and there's this beautiful place called Ability Tree. So now in Michigan, they know all about Ability Tree as well and just, the whole respite piece of Ability Tree was very cr critical for our family yeah. that first year so that Steve and I could still connect because otherwise we would go months without having any sort of break from just the chaos of running a large family. So it was really important to have a safe place to drop our children off. Mm. It has been incredible. I remember when the first two weeks of the pandemic, the quarantine happened. And I was like, okay, how are we going to hang on? You know, you think, oh, only two weeks and then three, four, five, and it kept going. So I remember just, yeah, Maddie and Amy and all of you trying to brainstorm and figure out what is safe and what is something that we would all be comfortable with. And working at New Life Ranch, our rules needed to be pretty strict and ability tree just kept contacting me and saying, you know, what are you comfortable with? If it's only your children come into this building, then we will provide that service for you. And that was huge. I remember Lily specifically, when we pull up to Ability Tree, she knows and she starts clapping and screaming. And one time I had to let Cecilia out first and she started crying hysterically because she thought I wasn't going to let her come into Ability Tree. And I knew that this was a very important piece to their life when I saw that. Mm -hmm. And they built a relationship with the worker that was here all summer and that was really cool to hear them talk about her and how she interacted with them and how they really came to think of her as just another piece of their family. And that made my heart very happy. That's a, a look at our space, and um, 
the family that was in that video, just share real quick, keep them in your prayers. Uh, they um, lost their daughter Cecilia on this past week. She passed away in her sleep, and so um, they had the, the funeral for her yesterday, and it was kind of a, it was unexpected, and, but uh, the scripture says to rejoice for those who rejoice and, and mourn with those who mourn, and so just keep them uh, in your prayer if you would. So let me just go quickly through um, these points. Number one, create a welcoming environment. So is, is your meeting place accessible for people with physical disabilities and wheelchair users? Uh, you know, that, that's one thing to, we, we've been around and seen churches around the country, and, and sometimes there's steps going into the building, and our one church we were on staff at when Micah was young, there was, you could get into the foyer, but then you had to go up steps or down steps. You could get in the back by the dumpster. There was a ramp into the fellowship hall, but you were stuck down in the fellowship hall. Couldn't get up to the sanctuary, and uh, that church now has a lift that allows people who are wheelchair users and with physical disabilities to get in the church more easy, but, but you know, one good way, one thing I talk to pastors about is, you know, grab a wheelchair for the day and, and wheel around and see how accessible, you know, your church actually is. Um, and just because your church is physically accessible doesn't mean it, it's, you're doing a good job of including people with disabilities because the, the next thing is the attitudinal barriers. Are there attitudinal barriers keeping families from feeling welcome? And what I mean by that, do you know, when a person with a disability, with autism, Down syndrome, you know, a person in a wheelchair comes in the church, does your, do you know how to welcome them? And, and it's not rocket science, it, it's just intentional. You know, just go up to them and, and, you know, offer to shake their hand and say, my name's Joe, what's your name? I've done that with people, you know, in Walmart before and in the community, and sometimes the person can't speak verbally, but if they can't, they usually will use a, a talk board or some other communication device, or they'll have somebody with them that will talk on their behalf. But always give them the honor and respect that they are due as being made in the image of God, and just look them in the eye and introduce yourself, and you'll realize that they're, they have likes and dislikes, that, um, you know, they have talents and gifts, and, you know, Jesus socialized with people from all walks of life and welcomed those whom society rejected. Even back then, we had um, the disciples were holding back the little children from coming to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, let them come. These are, this is the kingdom of God. Let them come. You know, the, the man, um, blind Bartimaeus, who was on the side of the road yelling out to Jesus, the disciples told him to be quiet. And Jesus stopped and said, what do you need? The woman with the issue of blood, Jesus noticed that she touched him in that crowd despite other people touching him. Jesus socialized with sinners and people from all walks of life and we are to be the body of Christ we are to be Jesus's hands and feet so we need to create a welcoming place where people of all abilities feel welcome I mean the church should be the most inclusive place on the planet because when we make the church inclusive we make Jesus accessible you don't have to be a medical professional or a special education teacher to welcome a person with special needs you just have to be willing to love them and get to know them that leads into number two, get to know them. Children with special needs are born into or adopted into families every day where the parents have no prior experience with disability. They simply love their child and they get to know them. And your church can do the same. People with disabilities need a relationship with God and with others. They have likes and dislikes, gifts and, and talents to be displayed in the body of Christ. And again, when the church becomes inclusive, Jesus becomes accessible. Number three, so once you, once you create a welcoming environment and you get to know them, include them in the body of Christ. Include them in the life of the church. Assess your programs and adapt them as needed. You know, I've seen, <clears throat> we've been in, you know, Mike is 20 years old, we've been in disability ministry, special needs ministry for, you know, 12, 14 years probably, Jen. And um, it went to be, at, at one time it was special needs ministry. You need to have a classroom, you need to have a space for Kids with special needs to go. And um, it's kind of shifted now where it's like, it, it's not really about starting a new ministry or adding another ministry to the mix. It's more about including people with disabilities in your existing ministries. You know, youth, kids, youth, adults, whatever. And, and so assessing the situation and, and adapting, um, accommodating as needed. 
And inclusion doesn't mean that everybody does the same thing. It just means that everyone is welcome and included. And I'll share a quick story about Micah. When he graduated high school in 2019, he was an uh, honorary member of the football team and prom king, and he, was, he knows more people than we do. He's, he's uh, very social um, most of the time. He doesn't like attention being brought to him, though. But uh, he wouldn't put the hat on when, they, when he got voted prom king, but he put it on later. But um, he was a, we were life group leaders for a few years in our church, and, and Micah would go to life group with the youth when we went to life group, you know, with, when we led our life group. So we were at church one morning, and Jen went to the youth pastor and said, hey, where are they meeting for life group tonight? And the youth pastor said, well, we're, we're actually going on a bike ride down to Fisher Ford, which is um, you know, where there's a, there's a um, river and stuff down there. And he said, not everybody has a, has a bike, so not everybody can go. And, and it was like the main, you know, there was two times we met a month for life groups, and it was supposed to be all the kids that came and... and She's like, well, I told him, you know, it was life group tonight, and he wants to go, and he's going to be bummed, and she was kind of upset, and um, youth pastor's like, well, I don't know what we can do, and so on the way home, she tells me about it, and, and she's a little frustrated, and I said, let's just pray and, and you know, ask, you know, God to speak to Pastor Jeremy, and, and um, we get back to the house. About an hour later, he calls, and he said, hey, we've got a, a young adult leader driving a truck behind the, those who are on the bikes just in case somebody breaks down or needs water or, you know, has a wreck or something. Would Micah want to ride in the truck? And she's like, yes, that's perfect because he loves trucks. He loves, you know, being around people. He didn't need to ride a bike. He just wanted to be a part of the event and a part of the life group and to be with his friends. So he rode in the truck, got down to the, um, to the river, and he got to hang out and play with his friends. And that's, that's what inclusion is. It doesn't mean everybody's got to, you know, do the same thing. It just means everybody's included. He went to youth camp with me. Uh, we went to Oklahoma youth camp because we're closer to that one than Arkansas. And I went with him because um, he does need some help with daily uh, care, act, you know, um, things. And so, but he had a great time. 80%, probably 90% he was with the youth and they were hanging out with them and he was in the services and then I'd help him at night and in the morning, and he'd go his way, and it was just awesome. But um, inclusion doesn't mean everybody does the same thing. Talk to the person and their family to see how best you can include them. You know, a lot of times we, whether this is, um, you know, whether you're a teacher at church or a teacher at school or, or whatever, if you're a pastor, sometimes we think the parents are the enemies, but the parents are really the allies. The parents and caregivers are allies, and talk to the parents, say, hey, how best can we include your child into kids' ministry? How best can we include them in youth ministry? How best can we include them in, in church? And, you know, Micah comes to church with us in the morning because he's, when we're at our home church, he sits with us. You know, he'll ask me questions sometimes, like, when's the preacher going to be done? Like, you're probably asking right now, when am I going to be done? Almost done. And I'll be like, he's almost done, Micah. The worship team's coming up soon. He's almost done. Um, and that guy, so, but I just redirect him, and nobody's ever come up to him and said, man, I heard your son talking to you during church, and it distracted me. What I have heard is people say, man, we love to watch your, your son worship God. We've heard that, I mean, we can't count how many times we've heard it, and that brings joy, and not to say he's, he's human just like you and I. It's not perfect by any means, and um, just take him for the night if you want to experience that, but, um, <laughs> but he loves God, and he loves people, and he just wants to be included. And the church, again, if the church, if, if people with disabilities can't come to church, where can they go? You know? I mean, this is, the church is the hope for the world. So talk to the family. See how best you can include them. I just want to finish on, um, you know, going the extra mile to care. Going the extra mile to care. Full-time caregiving can take a, col a toll on families, parents, siblings, extended family. I shared a little about my wife's experience when, when Micah was younger and you know, now we don't, other than Ability Tree, we have very few people that we can leave Micah with, you know, and that's typically how it is when, when you have an adult child with disability. So providing a respite or temporary rest can make a world of difference. Um, we, our facility, we do every Friday night, we do what's called Parents Night Out, and it gives parents of children with special needs and their siblings a three and a half hour break. They drop their kids off at six. And we pray they pick them up at 
So we haven't had any kids left, so that's good. Um, and they have fun. I mean, it's a fun night. We have activities. There's a theme, all this kind of stuff. We've talked with Pastor Brian and the team. They've been over and they've seen our space, and they want to get Ability Tree going here in Harrison, and that would be so awesome to see, you know, an Ability Tree here in Harrison. You can start it out of your church and then, then start it in the community, and we'll help you to do that. But um, providing a respite or temporary rest can make a world of difference. It can save a marriage. It can save a, a sibling. We've seen what, what we love. What, one of the things I love the best is to see brothers and sisters like, you know, Micah has two siblings. And growing up, they were excluded from physical therapy. Like the therapists, a couple of therapists would include them in, in some things, but they got left out of a lot of stuff. They didn't have any place to go to have fun. They got drugged to doctor's appointments and therapy appointments and all that stuff. At Ability Tree, they can come and play, and they build their own natural support network with other girls and boys and teens who understand what it's like to have a brother or sister with special needs. And then meeting people's needs allows us to share the gospel in deed and in word. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And if you provide respite for a family in need... Trust me, they're going to take the time to listen to you share the gospel. They're going to say, why are you doing this? Why would Harrison Faith take the time to do a, a once-a-month parent's night out? Why, why are you guys doing this? And that gives you an opportunity to share, well, God loves you and loves your family, and so do we, and we want to provide rest and, and help you. We can help you with that. We can do, we do, we only, not only provide care um, for families in our community, but we provide uh, training, ministry training for churches, and uh, our home office, our headquarters is in Salem Springs, Arkansas. We also have two branches in Florida, one in New Jersey, and then we have about 85 churches around the country that we partner with. Uh, and so God has helped us and brought some amazing people on our team that can help us implement this in, in other churches. So just to recap here, I want to uh, just recap what we talked about. Remember to create a welcoming environment. If people can't access the main areas of your church, what kind of signal are you sending to your community? Get to know families. God created us for relationship with him and with others. Love and get to know families in your church and community. You'll be glad you did. And include them in the life of the church. When the church becomes inclusive, Jesus becomes accessible. I want to close with a, a short video, and it's, um, it's a recap. You can go to the next slide, and just if you want to just keep it on the next slide for a minute. There you go. You can connect with us, and um, we're online. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those kind of things. Um, but I want to show you a video in just a minute and from our Ability Camp. Like I said, we've done Ability Camp in eastern Pennsylvania for about 12 years. We're launching, we were going to launch it last year, but COVID stopped us from doing that. But this year we're launching the Ability Camp, which is a five-day overnight camp for adults with disabilities to build relationships with others and experience God through morning and evening chapel and to have fun doing summer activities, rock climbing, swimming, archery, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's going to be in eastern Oklahoma, northeastern Oklahoma, at New Life Ranch at their Frontier Cove um, location, which is just outside of, kind of outside of Tulsa. It's Adair, Oklahoma. But um, we need counselors. If you guys, we, we can't accept any more campers right now, but we do need counselors. We need probably three, three guys still, right, Jen? Three male counselors and like three female counselors. Are we good on worship team? Yeah, okay. If you want to be a part of that and serving as a counselor or media or worship or whatever, we have a booth in the back and we'd love to talk to you. But um, I am just going to uh, show this video and then afterwards, um, just going to pray with you guys and, and uh, we'll just close.
guarantee you, you won't experience worship like that anywhere else. It's such a free worship because, again, there aren't the inhibitions that, that you and I often have, and nobody cares what anybody else thinks. And uh, they just love easy, laugh easy, cry easy, and the Spirit of God is there. So I just want to close in prayer with you guys. Thank you so much for allowing me to share with you this morning. Father, we just thank you for this day you've made. Thank you, God, for the freedom that we have in you, the freedom that we have in our country, Lord Jesus. And Father, I just thank you for Harrison Faith and God, this, this body of Christ, this church, God, that you have called out. Lord, um, you know the plans that you have for them. You know uh, the areas, God, where they struggle, the areas where um, they're strong. And I just pray that they would rest in you, that they would, they would seek your face, God, uh, to see how that they can serve their community not just their congregation, but those in their community that are affected by disability, God. I pray, God, you take away any fear, any uncomfortableness, God, and just uh, bring about a connection, a relationship, God. Lead them to the families that you've called them to. God, let them become an accessible and inclusive church, God, according to your your will. Lord, uh, raise up leaders within the church, God. And we just thank you for what you're doing and what you've done. And, and uh, we pray this in your mighty name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.